This is A Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. For many Black women, chemically straightening their hair is more than a fashion statement. It's been a requirement for getting or keeping their jobs. Now there's evidence that the products used to straighten one's hair can cause cancer. And there's a new fight to ban the chemicals and relaxers. You can perm your hair or not. I'm not here to tell you what to do. The thing that I think is key here is I want this to be done safely. Making hair care safe for Black women. Coming up on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. For Black women, hairstyling has never been just about beauty. It's also about identity and economics. Despite movements to encourage Black women to wear their hair in natural styles for decades, straightened hair was all but a requirement to be taken seriously as a professional or to even get in the door for an interview for a job. In fact, several states had to pass laws to protect Black people from being fired or ruled out of employment just because they chose to wear their hair naturally. That made chemical hair relaxers aimed at Black women a multi-million dollar business in America and around the world. Now there's increasing evidence that those products have harmful and perhaps deadly consequences for many of the women who use them, that they significantly increase the risk of cancer. And some critics say the government's response is too little too late. Joining us now to talk about it is journalist Victoria St. Martin, who reported on the issue for Inside Climate News. Victoria St. Martin, welcome to A Word. Thank you so much for having me. Look, we've always been aware that there are complications that, you know, racism is killing us as black people. And a lot of things we're forced to do in order to appeal safe and and non-threatening to white people are a lot. But to find out that relaxers are specifically causing cancer is a huge reveal and frightening and terrifying in its implications. What is the element in hair relaxers that makes them so dangerous? And what's the specific illness that's been tied to the element that's so common in hair relaxers? The chemical of concern is formaldehyde. Formaldehyde has been linked to cancer, specifically when we're talking about perms, a lot of reproductive cancers, uterine, breast, endometrial cancer. You know, the government is trying to figure out how do we get this out of perms? How do we keep people safe? So the FDA is looking at proposing a ban on formaldehyde and perms. And there there are a lot of perms, chemical straighteners that have formaldehyde in it. My first thought about formaldehyde is that's the stuff that you used in high school to keep the frogs from like degenerating or something else like that. When you were doing research on this, Why is formaldehyde being used? What's the justification that these companies are using for using formaldehyde in relaxers? Why is formaldehyde a part of so many hair relaxers that are commonly used by Black women? Formaldehyde is used in a lot of things. It's a great preservative. So it's used in a lot of beauty products as a preservative. It is also used in relaxers. It straightens the hair really well. The problem with the formaldehyde that, you know, a lot of scientists are saying is the levels at which formaldehyde is in chemical straighteners is really, really high. And so the FDA is looking at, you know, proposing a ban 
on taking formaldehyde out of chemical straighteners and smoothers. The NIH, the National Institute of Health, came out with a study last year that linked PERMs with uterine cancer. The year before, it was PERMs with breast cancer. And really, the the chemical of concern is formaldehyde, right? You know, it's something that... Uh, you know, for whatever reason was put in. And now, you know, the FDA wants to, you know, ensure that it gets taken out. I think the key thing here is the FDA for a long time, and even today, as we speak, does not have the power to do much when it comes to cosmetics and beauty products in this country, that was the one thing that I discovered while reporting this. You know, I knew this figure, right? There's this figure that 2,000 and counting chemicals are banned from cosmetics in Europe. In the United States, 11 chemicals are restricted or banned. And so for a long time, when researchers would tell me these things, I didn't know why. Um, but it turns out that, you know, the FDA has not had the power to do anything about it. The law that is on the books right now that governs cosmetics in this country is 85 years old. There's like some slight adjustments that were made, you know, about 60 years ago. Um, and other than that, that is what is, you know, the law of the land. So cosmetics and beauty products in this country are very loosely regulated. And because they are loosely regulated, the FDA doesn't really know what's in our products, right? They're, they don't have a list of ingredients. They're kind of, you know, running blind like we are, you know, like they don't know what's in things. So that's why you saw a lot of testing and a lot of, you know, trying to figure out what's in things because a lot of people don't know. And so there's a new law that it will come into effect at the end of December that will give the FDA the power to find out what ingredients are in our, our cosmetics. I'm curious about this because formaldehyde in particular is sort of the, the ground zero uh, chemical that is causing cancer. What are some of the trends that we've seen with the cancer? Is it certain kinds of cancer? Is it breast cancer? Is it uterine cancer? Is it always reproductive cancer? Is it more likely in sort of older black women who've been using the product for 20 years? Are we seeing it in, in eight and nine-year-olds? What are some of the trends that we're seeing when it comes to cancer results of using these products? The NIH studies uh, really looked at not necessarily age, they didn't really focus on that, but just the levels that were in there and linkage, right? And they were saying that because African American women tend to use perms more often, that we as African American women are, you know, more at risk. It's all reproductive cancers that they are seeing, right? Really, I think things will really get unlocked for us in the new year when the FDA gets a hold of some of those ingredients. I really think that the studies that can be done once they have more information are going to be limitless. But the one thing I will say that's interesting too is there are even industry folks who are in support of this, who are in support of removing formaldehyde from chemical straighteners. The Personal Care Products Council, which represents 90% of the cosmetics industry in this country, they support formaldehyde being removed from perms. You spoke to a lot of Black women about how the long-term use of relaxers affected their health. Just tell us one or two anecdotes that you heard from the women that you spoke to. I mean, again, if you talk to any if you talk to any black baby boomer woman, 
Um, heck, you talk to any Gen X black woman who had a front facing job, right? You, you've heard stories, but what were some of the stories that you heard from black women ab- about their sort of relaxer journey and, and the health impact? One of the women who really just knocked my socks off and she is, you know, the lead of my story, Miss um, Toomer, um, she reached out to me and she had been using perms for f- four decades. And uh, she has stage four endometrial cancer. And the funny thing about her story is when she grew up here in Philadelphia, which is uh, where I'm based, she was natural. Her sister was a Black Panther and she was natural. When she got her first job, she was also kind of acting at the same time, trying out acting. Um, She was a teacher, retired now, but she was concerned about her image and people wanted her to look a certain way at the casting calls. And so she started perming her hair. I I think a lot of women that I spoke to, her included, uh, they all said, you know, if we had known how toxic this was, we would not have done it. I myself am a breast cancer survivor and I permed my hair for years and I understand where they're coming from because you you worry, did this cause that? And I think they all just want answers, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I think at the end of the day, there was this groundswell of questioning and wondering when this National Institute of Health study came out and there were lawsuits um, that were filed. And the FDA is really trying to respond in kind to that. You know, the one thing that really also was surprising to me is when I was talking to the chief scientist at the FDA, she's a black woman, Dr. Bumpus. And she told me that she even faced pressure to straighten her hair during her career. So, I mean, I think it's like one of those things where there's a groundswell of questions and I think we're all trying to get answers. I'd spoken to a congresswoman who was like, look, we want to find out what is happening. And I think having you know, African-American women at the forefront asking those questions is really kind of helping move the ball forward. We're going to take a short break and we come back more on toxic chemicals and black women's hair products. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. This is Jason Johnson, host of A Word, Slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered a word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at a word at slate.com. Thank you. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about cancer risks connected to chemical hair relaxers. Our guest is Victoria St. Martin, a reporter with Inside Climate News. When we're thinking about these relaxers and, and the dangerous chemicals, were there ever any warning labels or were most of us just completely unaware as to what was being put in our heads? I think we were all completely unaware. I mean, I remember as a little girl seeing the Just For Me commercials. The little girl on the box looked so happy And I wanted to be just as happy as her. And I wanted that perm. I like forced my mom into buying it and my grandmother in her kitchen, right? Put it on my head and we all had no idea. You know, the funny thing is right after Thanksgiving, I was walking into a store and 
in an aisle that said natural hair care was a just for me box. And I looked at the back. I looked at the back just to see, like, what is what does it say? There's no warning. So whether it was in 1980 when I was getting perms or now, you know, in 2023, there's no warning label on these products. At what point did the government become aware that formaldehyde in relaxers was potentially dangerous? And when did they actually start doing something about it? Because when government officials become aware that something is a problem and when they actually decide to do something about it are often not within the same time period. There has been a movement in the research space to look at this, right? And to examine beauty justice, right? Just like environmental injustice, there are researchers who are looking at the injustice of beauty and taking apart things, testing chemicals. And they say that there are more toxic chemicals in beauty products that are marketed to black and brown women than products that are marketed to white women. That work has been going on for a while now. And then the National Institutes of Health did their first study looking at the link between perms and hair dye and breast cancer. And they made that link in 2021. And then they followed that up in 2022 with the study that linked perms with uterine cancer. My understanding from what I've been seeing is that they're just now, their stuff is just just eking out. Um, Even I got a FOIA uh, back about that gave me a bunch of emails from FDA officials who in 2016, 2017, were trying to work on a ban um, looking at formaldehyde and um, Brazilian blowouts and just trying to, to do something about it. The problem is that they did not have the power really to do anything about it. They don't even have the power to recall a product before it goes on the shelf. So that's why these new guidelines that are going to go into effect at the end of December are going to be really huge um, for the government. And then I think also there was this, you know, everybody keeps saying, how did these laws come into effect? Like, and nothing was done for 85 years. How did these laws come into effect? And a lot of the advocates who really pushed for the change said that it was consumers, right? That consumers asking for more natural products, asking for the ingredients that are in our products, then kind of really pushed lawmakers to make a change. The one thing that's really interesting is there are a lot of people who are like, why did it take so long? Why are black women and brown women getting these more toxic chemicals? I haven't really found the answer yet. There are a lot of people who believe it's kind of a multi-pronged thing. I think part of it is, right, we're women. And, you know, many of these products, yes, men use them as well, but mostly women use them. And, you know, people question, is it racism also involved? You work for a journalism organization that that particularly looks at issues of climate justice. And we've started to understand public discourse about climate justice. But you mentioned this idea of beauty justice, which I find fascinating. What I'm curious about is what are some other things we're talking about hair care products for black women, but what are some other things that may fall under this rubric of research and beauty justice? Talk a little bit about where this sort of beauty justice idea comes out of of work in environmental justice, because I think it's really fascinating. 
There is a lot of work around other products. There are researchers who are looking at skin lighteners, and there's mercury that's found in a lot of skin lighteners. And so they're looking at the link between mercury, skin lighteners, and, you know, other illnesses. There's also even vaginal soaps and washes. When our ancestors were enslaved, there was this made-up idea of class and race and the way that you smell. Researchers even say that there was a justification of harming Black bodies based upon the way that you smell. And the problem with the fragrances is there are a lot of endocrine disrupting chemicals in fragrance. And in this country, fragrance is a proprietary word. So companies don't have to tell you what is in the fragrance. They can just write fragrance on the bottle, but they don't have to tell you what chemicals or ingredients are in the fragrance. What researchers are finding is there's lots of toxic chemicals hidden in the word fragrance. A product might say it's free of this chemical, that chemical, and this chemical, but in the fragrance, there are chemicals of concern. We're going to take a short break and we come back. More about toxic black hair care with reporter Victoria St. Martin. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about the dangers of chemically straightening black hair with reporter Victoria St. Martin. This is what's interesting. Part of the government action to address this issue was the modernization of the Cosmetics Regulation Act of 2022. And you talked about the fact that, you know, nothing's really been done in these areas for 60, 70, 80 years. My question is more of a political one. Do you think that having you know, back to back within the last 16 years, um, black women at very prominent places in the federal government had any impact on this. Maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part, but I, I just, I can't imagine that having Michelle Obama in office for eight years, I mean, cause that's where we got the crown act when Obama was in office and, and now having vice president Kamala Harris, in addition to, you know, prominent senators, I can't imagine that didn't have an effect. Did you did you hear about that? Did you hear that the number of black women we have in Congress, the number of black women that we have sort of achieving more important positions in the federal government and federal government agencies, did that have any impact on updating these regulations? I think it did. It's so funny that you said that because, uh, well, two things. Back in the 30s, there were scientists asking for more control over cosmetics, literally saying Congress lawmakers, please help us. We need to know what's in our products, right? So even then they were asking. Congresswoman Presley and Brown had sent a letter after the NIH study came out asking the FDA to do more. And I really think it made an impact. Researchers even say, you know, having a chief scientist who is a Black woman really, really helps. She knows this space intimately, right? So I think it's, you know, having Black women at the forefront, but also just, you know, the consumer asking questions, the lawsuits, people saying, hey, we're not going to buy these products if if they have harmful chemicals in them. So, right, so now there are aisles with natural, you know, products and labels that say, you know, vegan, you know, blah, blah, blah. In reporting this, I do feel like there won't be another 80 years where nothing is done. I think the other thing that's really interesting is this racial reckoning that we've had. I think 
that has really helped the beauty justice movement because people are looking at like, huh, you know, we're talking about, you know, injustices in different areas. Wait a minute. There's an injustice when it comes to beauty? Women are forced to have perms to get jobs? What is in this stuff? So I think it's this perfect storm that's coming together just at the right time. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what about the other stuff? And I think it's going to come. I think it just needs to happen the way that it's happening, these slow steps. So, Victoria, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is that you are a breast cancer survivor. And you mentioned in this conversation, you know, you, you sit back and you wonder, like, did this cause it? Did that cause it? How has that personal battle and victory against cancer changed how you consume beauty, how you consume everything from hair relaxers to maybe even toothpaste? It has changed everything, right? You know, it's funny. They say uh, in the cancer world, and it's something that people start talking about during the pandemic, right? A new normal, your new normal, right? 12 years ago, I was diagnosed at the age of 30. And yeah, it made me question everything. I think it's the one thing I, I, I kept saying to people when I talked to them, whether it was a survivor or a scientist or you know, um, an advocate or somebody from the industry. I am, I was trying to write and I'm still trying to write the story that I wanted to read 12 years ago when I was diagnosed, 12 years ago, when I was diagnosed, I started learning all these things. And I was like, why doesn't everybody know about this? It was one of those things where a researcher, when I was diagnosed 12 years ago, started asking me about the products that I used um, and started really asking me about perms and how often I permed my hair, if I was ever burned, how old I was when I first started perming, how old I was when I got my first period. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we asking all these questions? And it really started to get me thinking about you know, why do we use these products? Why do I feel like I have to do this? What chemicals are in these products. So yeah, it set me on this journey. Um, and I, I hope and, you know, cross all my fingers and my toes that I am putting out there exactly what I wanted to read 12 years ago. I don't want to scare anyone, but I want to educate people. I think the one thing that I learned over the 12 years was just like knowledge is power. And when you have that knowledge, you can do anything with it whether you change every toothpaste you have or not, right? And that's the thing that I think is key too, right? You know, people started talking about this when the NAH study came out. You can perm your hair or not. It, I'm not here to tell you what to do. The thing that I think is key here is I want this to be done safely. So if there's a way in the future for them to remove formaldehyde out of perms and to make it safe and for our government to know exactly what is in our products before they go on our shelves, then by all means, I want everyone to do what makes them feel good. But we have to have at, at the bottom, at the base level, right? We have to have safe products, you know, and in order to make those choices. You know, I always like to end the show with a sort of, uh, call and response, sort of audience involvement. You know, what's a way that the audience can take what they learn today or give to this particular organization, et cetera, et cetera. From your work, 
in this area about the, the dangers of these of these relaxants, what they've done cancer wise. There's somebody listening right now. Heck, there's somebody listening to the show right now who's doing their kids hair. Right. They're listening to a word podcast while they're doing their kids hair in the morning or or they're at the beauty shop or, or something else like that. What is the one thing, the one thing you want to leave our audience with that they can do to keep themselves safe from hidden dangers and their their hair care or cosmetics? It's the one thing that everybody can do, no matter class level, education, parent, non-parent, whatever. Go on your phone and download an app that will allow you to search for the ingredients in your in your beauty products, in the cream that you're using on your baby's head or in the conditioner that you use. There are lots of apps now because of this consumer push that allow you for free to look up um, what chemicals are in your beauty products. The Environmental Working Group has an app called Skin Deep, and there are lots of others. Like I said, knowledge is power. And the more we ask what is in it, the more it's going to push the industry, whether or not the government moves fast enough for us. The amount of Black women creating products for us, by us, that don't have the chemicals of concern. So, right, I think, you know, taking our dollar, supporting other people who are doing this and just making sure that we use our knowledge to make sure that we are safe and that our families are safe. Victoria St. Martin is a reporter for Inside Climate News. Thank you so much. This is honestly one of the most informative conversations uh, I've had in a long time. So thank you so much, Victoria. Thank you so much. And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Podcast Operations. Alicia Montgomery is the Vice President of Slate Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for a word. 